Hey friends, before we get into the podcast today, I'd like to ask you if you love this good word, if you listen to it, if you share it with friends, consider becoming a patron. Go to my Patreon page at patreon.com slash thisgoodword. And for support as little as $2 a month, you can get a free download of my first two chapters of my next book, which is called Whole, Restoring What is Broken in Me, You, and the Entire World. Uh, For higher levels, you get other cool stuff. I'm writing this new series, weekly series called What's Changing My Life. The only way you can get it is by getting onto Patreon. So consider checking it out at patreon.com slash thisgoodword. Thanks, everybody. Patrick Gray and Justin Skisuck have been best friends for over 40 years. But for 20 of those years, Justin has had a neuromuscular disease that has left him without the ability to use his arms and legs. So he's in a wheelchair and requires assistance 24-7. But these guys love adventure. And so a few years ago, they decided that they wanted to do the entire Camino, all 500 miles of the historic pilgrimage in Spain, up the Pyrenees and back down through crazy rough terrain. Remember, Justin is in a wheelchair. So they wrote a book called I'll Push You, and it is unbelievable, so inspiring, so beautiful about their friendship, about trust, and about achieving what you think you cannot achieve. So I love my conversation with these guys. They are the best. And you're going to want to get their book right now. It's called I'll Push You. It comes out today. You can buy it wherever you buy books, but I'll leave some links on my show notes. You can get it at steveleans.com slash show notes. But it's called I'll Push You by Patrick Gray and Justin Skisuck. Enjoy the conversation, friends. Well, here I am. Uh, with Justin and Patrick, you guys, I am so excited to have this conversation. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. Thanks for having us. Appreciate thanks. it. Yeah, thanks oh, for having gosh. us here. It's, so you guys have been friends for like, what, 40 years or so? Is that right? Yeah, just shy of 42. We turned 42 in July. Uh, we were born just over 36 hours apart in the same hospital. Gosh. So been a long time we've known each other i can't get rid of him <laughs> he can't shake me <laughs> i'm like the cat that keeps coming back <laughs> okay so wow. i want to ask you to each to share a story from your childhood and it could be something that you wrote in the book there are plenty of hilarious ones but share a story of when you were friends growing up wow uh go first because i'm ready go ahead <laughs> oh great you know, one of one of my favorite stories uh, from when Justin and I were kids was uh, we were having a snowball contest outside of his parents' house. <laughs> it, we'd been sledding, just dorking around out in the fields behind his house earlier in the day, and we got bored. And it's like, okay, what, what are you doing? You're bored, and you're like, I think we were twelve or thirteen. Yeah. And so we uh, started making uh, snowballs, throwing them at Justin's uh, uh, mailbox, which was across the street. As and a target. As a target, yeah. And yeah. we hit it right away. I mean, it took, took just a few yeah, throws. It's too easy. Yeah. So then we looked down the street. There's the neighbor's mailbox. We aim for that. It doesn't last long. And we eventually decide to uh, uh, aim for the neighbor's um, backboard. It's in the driveway, which is kind of kitty corner to Justin's house, kind of a diagonal across the street. And basketball, I pack, basketball, yeah. hoop, basketball hoop backboard, right? That's what I said, backboard. You, okay. We'll just want to clarify. You, you want to tell my story for me? And yeah, I'll tell, I'll you. tell you. <laughs> 
So like, I, I make it. a snowball, I pack it so tight, and I just hurl that as hard as I can, and I miss the backboard. I go like probably three feet over the top, and it just bashes into the neighbor's garage door. Just boom! Nice. So loud. And we found our next target, and so it was Justin, myself, and our buddy Greg, and we start packing snowballs and taking turns trying to hit the white dot on their neighbor's brown garage door. And we can't hit it. We cannot hit the stupid thing. And we're like 12, 13 throws in, and when – Burton Smith is his name. He comes just storming out of the house. He's beat red, and he is looking to kill somebody. Like, what are you guys doing? And I said, we're having a snowball throwing contest. It's like, this is obvious, buddy. Look at your garage door, right? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, that's what's going on. And the thing was is that this, hadn't, this had happened before where we were aiming for the backboard. And he looks back. He's like, you guys aren't even close. And our buddy Greg says, well, we weren't aiming for the backboard. We were aiming for your garage door. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And the rest was history. My, we dad got, yeah. my dad wasn't too happy with us. Nor was mine. Yeah. <laughs> hey. uh, whatever. I mean, was there, was there some punishment involved or did you, did you get Oh, yeah, we were all grounded. Yeah, we were grounded. Yeah. Uh, okay. No question. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I, I remember that so clearly. It was so <laughs> funny. Um, he was so mad. He was so mad. Um, I think one of the, one of my favorite stories, uh, we have lots, lots of stories. Um, this one's, um, um, I believe it's in our book too. It's we were uh, we went to prom as prom dates our junior year. Is it in our? I can't remember if it's in. Our, I, I got I, cut. I got cut. cut. It was in the book and then got cut. That's why. That's all. Like I think it's in the book. No, it's not. It ended up getting cut. So here's an extra deleted scene from the book. How's there that you go. Sound? There you go. Um, is we uh, junior prom high school? We end up having you know two dates. Uh, one was a girlfriend of mine kind of on the tail end of our relationship and i can't remember you're just a girl you just asked i had a romantic interest but she clearly wasn't interested in me no not even close (laughs) but basically it just went downhill i mean as soon as the evening began it went downhill all night long and by the end of the evening our dates were with other guys and um and yep. we we ended up slow dancing on the on the on the gym floor together. Yes. Pat and I did. You know, we had, had no dates. We had no other dates, so it was like, so, well, whatever. And uh, yeah, you know, girls were our former girlfriends were. I think kissing other guys. Kissing other guys. It was, it was just not good. It just was, not end well. That was a low point in our careers. <laughs> <laughs> so we started to end on a high note, and there you go. Cut <laughs> your losses. <laughs> that is priceless i mean like hilarious desperate yeah. oh that's good oh that's so good uh and that that got cut from the book i mean that that is i kind of want to have words with your editor i, I kind of want to have words I, I i can give you his name if you want <laughs> okay. uh okay so justin um i'm gonna get into it here you were playing soccer one day in high school and you notice your your foot didn't feel right. It wasn't it wasn't um, coming across uh, the grass like it should have. You were falling. Uh, what happened, and then what did that lead to? Um, I so the about six months prior, I was in a car accident. Um, I was driving from a from our hometown to uh, a nearby town to play in a basketball tournament. Um, Patrick was waiting for me at the tournament, and a friend of mine was driving his truck. Uh, long story short, ended up rolling it on the freeway going about 80 miles an hour, just lost control. And, um, and it was a really kind of a crazy car accident. Uh, you know, I walked away from the accident, um, you know, scraped and bruises, totally shaken up and all that. But, um, that following fall, which was when I was playing soccer, 
uh, yeah, it's just I was running down the soccer field and my foot was just my left foot was just flopping around. It wasn't working the way that it normally does, you know, when you run. And um, I could feel everything. It wasn't painful or anything like that. It's just uh, just wasn't working. And so uh, brought it to my parents' attention, and um, you know, you naturally go see a doctor, and um, he was completely stumped. And um, several years later, after doing lots of um, testing and and getting several different types of diagnoses, I was finally diagnosed with a very rare progressive neuromuscular disease. It's an autoimmune-driven disease. Um, and then that I found out that that car accident that I was in triggered that disease that was in my body. It was it happened to be dormant in my body. So um, ever since then, you know, my life has has changed and um, and it just gets worse over time. And and those who are listening, um, you know, I I'm in a wheelchair. I'm in a uh, power wheelchair, and um, and I have very very limited use of my my hands and arms. Um, I can't walk anymore, and um, and I have to be bathed and uh, have my clothes put on and fed and and pretty much, you know, everything from a, a normal person does. I have to have other people help me do it. So, um, for clarification, the disease I have is called multifocal acquired motor axonopathy. It's a uh, it's almost identical to ALS. So very very similar. Um, it's very rare. And, um, and the progression is pretty much identical to, um, ALS. So just a lot slower, just a lot slower. The, the progression is a lot slower and a little bit more sporadic. So, um, yeah, it's fun times. <laughs> fun times. You yeah. write about it. So, um, actually beautifully in the book, Justin. And I think one of the things that strikes me is that, um, as you were going through it, you know, so you're you're sitting with your wife as you're getting the diagnosis. And can you walk us through that moment um, when the doctor said, hey, it's not ALS, we, we think we know what it is. And then you and your wife look at each other. How did that go down? You know, um, when you're in a situation like that, um, it's there's a lot racing through your mind. Um, you know, um, it's kind of like more, you start you start questioning a lot of things. You start um, having, um, you know, what, how how is this going to impact my future? What's my future going to look like? How's this going to impact my relationship with my wife? Um, you know, end up how does this impact if you're you know be, you know having children and and how does that look? Um, man, it, it's a lot to process and um, and and I'm. I'm fortunate. It's going to sound weird, but in fortunate, I was fortunate in some ways that it took time to get to my diagnosis, um, my final diagnosis. And, you know, I was told when I was like 20, 21 years old that I had four years to live. So, you know, that, I mean, when you're in, you're sitting in a doctor's office and a table and, and I was, I wasn't, you know, um, I wasn't um, dating Kirsten at the time. I was by myself. So I was just in this office and, you know, you have a doctor basically saying, you know, you're going to die. It's like, oh, my gosh. Um, and I knew he wasn't right. But um, hmm. but still, um, even though the prognosis that I have is still unknown, it's still long. It's a long term. It's going to be a long, hard road for me. Um, and it has been. Um, you know, you just I don't focus on 
um, woe is me, life is horrible, um, you know, why in the world is this? I mean, you have questions of why, but it's not like, I don't dwell on that. I don't dwell on, um, you know, oh my gosh, this life's going to suck and, and that's the you know position I'm going to take from here on out. Um, is it going to be hard? Yeah, without a doubt. Um, and I just, for some reason, just I've, I've, through the progression that I've had, I've just been able to just focus on what I'm grateful for, what I have. Um, I'm grateful for the air in my lungs, um, the things that I can do in life. And I have to do them differently. Yeah. And I've had to continually learn how to do things differently. Um, but I'm just grateful. I'm happy. And it's forced me to live life now. Yeah. Um, and not wait to live. Not why would you, you know, like I always, you growing up hearing, you know, Hey, when you retire, you know, when I retire, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. When I retire, why do you need to wait to, to retire to do things? I mean, yeah, you probably have more time in the end, but if you make time now, you can do all sorts of stuff. I mean, put your mind to it. You can, you can live now, you know? Uh, it's gosh, yes. And hearing you say that is, um, uh, I think that's what struck me in the book too, is you have a, you have an optimism that, um, you know, to be honest at first, I'm like, how can this guy be that optimistic? Uh, you know, but as I kept reading, uh, I was struck by now this is, this is, this is the real deal. Uh, you are the real deal. And so Patrick, um, one day you got a phone call from Justin and he kind of made an announcement of something he wanted to do. Uh, uh, he wanted to do the Camino, like all 500 miles of it. So uh, that wasn't a phone call. I was actually sitting next to him. Oh, you were. Okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. yeah. So that was, yeah, that was in 2012. Uh, my wife and kids and I had gone down to San Diego to visit Justin and Kirsten and his family. And a few weeks prior, Justin had been even watched this episode of Rick Steves and he was really excited to share something with me. I didn't know at the time it was this episode. And so, yeah, I'm sitting in his living room to Justin's right on a little kind of Ottoman type seat. He recorded this thing on his little, do you have a TiVo that you had? Something yeah, like a DVR or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, he's like, hey, I want to show you something. And he hits play and we watched this episode together of Rick Steves talking about Spain and running the bulls and all this culture. And then he winds up talking about the Camino. Uh, this is interesting. I have no clue where this guy's going. <laughs> and when the episode ends, he just turns to me and he says, so what do you think? You want to go across 500 miles in northern Spain with me? It's like, yeah, I'll push you. Yeah. And that was, that was the beginning. That was the beginning. <laughs> I'll push you. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. I had no clue what I was getting myself into. <laughs> Neither did I. Remarkably naive. <laughs> Well, and so I think, the, I think in some way, if you had an idea of what we're getting ourselves into, we probably would have maybe shortened the journey, shortened the journey, or maybe <laughs> thought about it differently. But yeah, a little naivety goes a long way sometimes. But well, talk about the preparation yeah. because you know, Patrick, you had to start working out mm -hmm. big time. Justin, yeah. you had to start raising money and research different kind of wheelchairs. Talk about the preparation time and how long it took and what you had to do and what was going through your sure. mind as you were getting ready for it? Oh, man. Uh, I mean, I, I, I trained for a year. Yeah. You know, um, once we had made the determination we we're going to go, um, that was in, in 2013. It was, you know, I, I was able to secure the time off from my job. And it's like, man, okay, it's go time. 
how am I going to be able to actually do this? And we had researched, we had looked at, you know, topographical maps, trying to figure out, you know, the terrain, that kind of thing. And, and I knew there was no way I was going to be hundred percent ready. Um, but I could do everything I could. And so, so I, while Justin's raising, you know, trying to figure out how to raise money, doing Facebook stuff, design a website, all kinds of stuff. He's like super busy with the logistic piece. Um, I have, I'm in the gym every morning at 4am, you know, uh, doing metabolic type exercise and just trying to get my body strong, but you know, with endurance, I'm on my bike every night. So I, I worked out six days a week, twice a day for basically nine months. Wow. And then the remainder of that year long period was once we got Justin's wheelchair and it showed up, Justin was in the chair and I was pushing him every mm -hmm. day we could just trying to get my body acclimated to pushing this 250 pound contraption with Justin in it and you know, it's loaded with water and gear and weighs 250 pounds. And when you're pushing, there's no, there's not an exercise in the gym that can prepare you yeah. for the muscles that you're using and just when you're trying to propel this thing either uphill or keeping it from taking you downhill. Um, and it just was just a lot of, a lot of, serious sweat and pain <laughs> yeah but yeah. yeah and working out the kinks like we had to work out yeah. the kinks a lot communication um yeah communication how to, how how to navigate. navigate together um and um yeah and so it, it took it took from my point of view it took um well it took about five months for my wheelchair to be made so you know i was just trying to do what i could to keep moving things along and working through whatever we could. Uh, once we figured out what wheelchair to take, um, you know, took, we had to get that made and it took a while. But yeah, I mean, once the chair came in, once the chair arrived about three months prior to us leaving, you know, we just, we just spent as much time as we could cause I had to be comfortable in it too. Yeah, so I had to get yeah. used to being in it. Um, and people have that, some people have the misconception that I'm just sitting there, um, like sipping a margarita while Pat's, you know, sweating his <laughs> ass off trying to, trying to push me down, you know, up a hill. I wish that was the case, but, um, <laughs> but it's, uh, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it, you know, it's a three wheeled chair. So it has two mountain bike tires. It's an aluminum frame. It has a wheel up wheel up front. So whenever the, the trail or uh, thing would undulate from right to left, the chair would just want to pull you right down that, that hill. So, yeah. Um, I had to constantly counterbalance and do what I could to make Pat's job easier. So, um, it just took a lot of communication and working that out. And then, yeah, until you actually get on the trail and we start doing it day one, no it's, idea, yeah. it's, you, you're just doing the best we can at that point. So, Brutal. yeah, it was well, hard. And so, yeah. And, 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 talk to us about, um, and you got a film crew together cause someone challenged you, Hey, you got to film this. Um, and then you get to Europe you get to Spain and you find out the accessibility, you know, in, in those, in that part of the world is pretty bad, right? Uh, all the, all the <laughs> taxis are too small. And <laughs> yeah. Less than stellar. Yeah. Um, but it's, then you finally, like yeah. you finally make it, uh, and you start. And the first thing is you look up a mountain, right? I mean, the Pyrenees are, are staring at you. So talk about that first day and what you were oh. thinking. Well, we, we tried to train for that first day. Like our last training day was up a hill, um, about a mile long ascent where it was a 25% grade. Um, there's sections of the Pyrenees that are as steep as 30. And so that we, we, it was the steepest thing we could find. And so we knew that with the help we had, we had a friend Ted come with us for the first week. Um, with his help, we knew that we could, 
we could navigate that steep of, a, of terrain. The question was for how long? Um, so, I mean, it, it was daunting for sure. I was not mm-hmm. as, uh, um, Justin was really at peace about a lot of things. I was just, I had a lot of question marks well, still. He, he was drinking a margarita though. You know, most of the time. Right, so, I know. It's just margarita. Margarita. His sombrero and everything. <laughs> Chips and guac. Where's Spain? Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, but, um, yeah, it was, it was brutal. It yeah. was a brutal, brutal climb. It was uh, a hard day. Yeah, 17 miles in total. It was about 13 miles up. Uh, and the the town we started in Saint Jean Pied de Port it's uh it's almost at sea level it's like I think 600 feet but we have basically 4,000 feet of elevation gain the Pyrenees are not terribly tall mountain ranges but you start so low that you're having plenty of elevation gain that it, it's rocking your body and that was the first day I mean the very first day we're just getting crushed by the mountain yeah it was a it was I have a little PTSD thinking about it um, <laughs> um, yeah. And what it is is, I think, I think how we were able to make it, well, besides just working together, we had to work together as a complete unit. Um, Ted, Patrick, and myself working together, section by section, moment by moment, um, and that's what it really boiled down to. We didn't look at it from a seventeen mile day. We looked at it, okay, we got to get through this first hundred yards. We got to get through the next two hundred yards, yeah. and. There were some sections where it's like we got to make it through 50 feet. I mean, it was like that yeah. hard. So, um, and I think we—I've never been a part of something up until that point where we were so clear working together. We haven't really talked about this, but about how clear of a communication we had between the three of us, and how much we were on the same page to achieve this objective for the day. And, um, it still amazes me that we made it because, um, you know, doing it on foot is all is really is difficult. So, um, it's, I, I just know, I mean, I would, I was so, I'm so, I look back on it fondly because of just, it's the, it's a pure moment of Everyone's on the same page, on the same objective, doing the same thing, and working for each other's benefit. Yeah. And um, and I tell you what, it was really, really hard. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, yeah. back on that, I mean, it, it, we were connected, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally. I mean, the body language was read to know where we're going to go, as opposed to words being spoken. It was just so fluid. But I do want to add one thing: is and Ted and I talked about this, and I mean, you you've talked about this too. But for Ted and I. It was the first time where we know beyond the shadow of any doubt that our ability to keep going was far beyond what our bodies could do. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it was there were moments of divine intervention. There's no question. I mean, we consumed 10,000 calories each that day, and we were still depleted. Um, I mean, that was on the verge of, of vomiting on no, you know, numerous occasions because I'm just so my body's just what in the world are you doing? You yeah. freak! You know, this is not normal. <laughs> Yes. And and it's it's not normal, but uh, but you just get this wave of okay, I can handle this next little step and uh, this next little section. And it, it was not, it wasn't adrenaline, it wasn't digging deep into what you have left in reserves. There were no reserves. It was just God pushing you along, yeah, <laughs> for whatever reason. And yeah, and, you know, what strikes me is how much on a purely soulish intuitive level did your friendship uh, you know was your friendship the 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 core of that commitment and glue because 
I mean, as I'm reading your book, I'm thinking like, how many times are these guys going to say, I, we can't do this. I mean, good try, but this can't mm -hmm. be done. You know, so what, how much was your love for each other, um, fueling you or, or is that even something you can even, even begin to quantify? That's you to explain to go ahead. So, um, Yes, that was, I mean, aside from our faith, that's probably the, the most powerful component of, of everything we do. Mm -hmm. um, whether it's a journey through Spain or, you know, living life now as we travel around and speak and write. And I mean, it, it, love is the core of what we do. But I think what, what really uh, try to encapsulate that, that idea, the friendship that we have, and this kind of transcends beyond just our, our relationship, it's the relationship we have with our wives and our friends, is that... Um, we have a relationship that is, is grounded in, uh, is no holding back on any fronts. And so complete and total honesty, vulnerability, accountability, the dark stuff, the fun stuff, everything. And in that dynamic that we have, we're, we're giving each other the opportunity to love each other in our entirety, the good and the bad, right? So, and what we've discovered is that within that mindset, when I give Justin everything I am, and he chooses to love me. It's the closest thing I'm going to experience to God's unconditional love. Because God loves all of me. The good, the bad, the dark, the bright, every, all of it. Justin loves all of that. I love all of that in him. Our wives do the same. And when you have that kind of connection, that fundamental like way the church is supposed to function, um, you want to pursue adventures together. There's, there's just a synergy that just brings you together on mind, body, and spirit where why wouldn't you pursue every adventure you can with someone who loves all of you? Yes. That's, that, I mean, that's the essence of life, in my opinion, right there. That mm -hmm. is what we're supposed to do. That's how we're supposed to live. And we have that, and, man, we are going to embrace that every breath we have left. Anything to add to that, Justin? And I, th I mean, I think to your question, um, leading up to the pilgrimage and being on that first day, I think it was, I wouldn't say a culmination, but another step in our, um, in our continual, um, evolution of being in our friendship with mm -hmm. one another. Um, and another, um, I wouldn't say notch in the belt because that's not right. It's more of, um, another, like here we are. Another chapter. Another chapter. That's yeah. a good way. That's a better yeah. way to say it. Another chapter in our friendship and uh, adventures in life with one another. And to be there with with Pat and Ted. Mm -hmm. um, because Pat, Pat has known Ted longer than I had known him at that point. And um, here I am with a, a guy that I somewhat know, you know, uh, decent enough, but knowing enough that he, I knew he needed to be there. And um, now I know him more. Mm -hmm. deeply and now another chapter in our book together uh as um as friends so mm -hmm. um it's it our history together definitely played into this pilgrimage of course i mean it's just um kind of both of us jumping in feet first and you know with a little bit of stupidity in there but um Maybe, but, a lot. maybe a lot of stupidity <laughs> but it's laughing along the way crying along the way um Leaning each other, leaning on each other um, along the way, and just going through this whole thing together 
and just seeing how we come out on the other end. Um, and you know, there you go. (laughs) That's all you can ask. No, it's beautiful. And what strikes me again is, you know, our culture is so ruggedly individual and Mm -hmm. everything is geared toward what are you going to do with your one life and, and where are you going to go to college and what do you hope to, to do for you? So this story, I think, is such a, a beautiful picture of unity, community, even the relationality of God and the Trinity. You know, I mean, there's just a lot, of, as you're talking, there's a lot of that that, I, that I, I'm just hearing, the, the mutual um, love and submission and, and the dance of God, you know, between uh, the Father, Son, and Spirit. That's, that's what's coming through for me, uh, and it's, it's breathtaking. Um, so take us through some more of the of the actual pilgrimage, maybe what was, what was the hardest part for each of you? And maybe what was the best part and, and best I know is sort of a weird, but like what, what are, what's, what's one moment of of deep, deep contentment, joy, and what's one moment of despair? Uh, I think for me, um, let's start with, um, I wouldn't say despair, but a hard, hard points. Um, you know, I think, I won't speak for Patrick. I mean, he had his, his, his journey, um, along with us. Um, you know, I think the hardest, one of the hardest things for me was, um, you know, there's a lot of physical toll on my body, uh, being jarred all day long and, and, you know, being jostled around and transferred and all that stuff. It takes a lot out of me too. Um, and not nowhere near, the level that Patrick went through on a physical level. But, um, but there's most of mine was mostly, um, like mental, just dealing with, um, being away from my wife and my kids for such a long period of time, um, which made me appreciate them a lot more. Um, going into the pilgrimage, I had given up a lot of things a long time ago. Um, my struggle with, um, my disease and where that's leading me in life and, um, and all of that. So I wasn't really, uh, didn't have moments of necessarily despair. Um, but a lot of just mental psychological kind of working through that, especially through the Masetta. We both had a challenge through the, through the Masetta, which is about, it's the middle part of the, they call it the desert. Um, it's about 150 miles and it's just monotonous day in, day out, the same terrain and you're all you can, I mean, the, the terrain doesn't vary. Mm-hmm. So it just, it just, you just, all you have to do is think that's all you have. Um, and so I went through that. Um, and by far, I think one of the most, the most beautiful, most, uh, amazing experiences that I had personally of, of complete joy was coming into Santiago. Mm-hmm. Um, knowing that I set out, um, with my best friend, on this crazy journey that many people told us we were stupid. Many people told us that we could not do it and whatnot. Um, and then to be coming into the square, which is where you end, you end right at the base of the cathedral in Santiago de Compostela. And, you know, our wives are waiting for us and, um, to see them, to be reunited with them. And, but also knowing that, man, um, it was a testament to my own personal, um, limits that I even set on myself saying, you know, Hey, I could go out and I can do this. And here I am. I made it like, um, or we made it, not I, cause it was us, but 
you know, here we are, we're in the square and man, like crazy, crazy emotions that you're thinking. Um, that's what I went through. Wow. Yeah. You know, man. <clears throat> bless you. Yeah. Uh, you know, for, uh, for me, there's, there's a very distinct, um, uh, moment where I would, I wouldn't describe it as despair, but, um, complete resignation, hmm. uh, acknowledgement of, of who I was, uh, who I am and what I didn't like about myself. Uh, and as in, in, in the Meseta, what Justin was just, just describing this 150 miles of desert, well, of basically Kansas wheat fields, what it really amounts to. And he's so right as you're going through this constant land, unchanging landscape, you know, and you have your earbuds in, so you listen to music. There's just no, there's no place to go but inward because without the changes around you, there's no distractions. There's nothing to catch your eye. There's not new sounds. You were just totally alone with your thoughts. And up until this point in my life, um, I had a, multiple different kind of career paths. But at this point in time, I was uh, um, working for a, um, a hospital. And the hospital I was working at, my role, um, I was managing uh, the spine program, working with neurosurgeons and orthopedic surgeons in this very, very uh, intense work environment. And I had not handled, handled it well um, for quite some time, and my family had suffered. My wife, our relationship had been strained. My relationship with my kids had been strained. Um, and I wasn't abusive. I was just, I was neglectful. I was dismissive. I was absent. And in this moment in the Meseta, as I'm pushing Justin, the only way I can describe it is I come face to face with like a million tiny TV screens. And on each one of those screens is every single moment I failed each one of my three kids and every single moment I failed my wife and coming to terms with that all at once. It just hit me and I just see it all. And man, I wept. I just, it, I was overcome with just complete, just sadness for who I was and who I didn't want to be. But I had to acknowledge that's who I'd been for quite some time. And on that day we, we hurried as fast as we could, um, the next town, find a place that has Wi-Fi, pull out a little iPad that we've been using to communicate with family and a place to Skype call to my family and hoping that they're going to answer. Yeah. And it was a Saturday morning, if I remember correctly, and my kids and my wife answered. They're excited to see me. And I'm just this blubbering mess. Mm. And I apologized to all three of my kids. And, you know, they were young enough at the time where they didn't truly understand why I was apologizing. But to hear them say, you know, I forgive you and I love you, daddy. It's like, okay, great. They leave the, the office and it's just my wife and I. And I told her, you know, I said, I'm, I'm sorry for all the times I've broken your heart. I know there are many, and I'm just a complete mess at this point. And what she said to me was, um, she said, if you never broke my heart, how would I learn to love you more? And that was, I mean, mind blowing, right? I mean, that's the woman who has chosen to love me. She's chosen to love all of me, right? Kind of goes back to what we were talking about before to have that, to like a glimpse of, okay, God has loved me so much. He's given me this woman who loves me in spite of the fact that I've broken her heart over and over and over. So then to equate that to the moment of pure joy, to hold her for the first time since that conversation in the square in Santiago, man, that, uh, that was beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for that. That was 
That was precious. Thank you for that, man. Holy mama. Um, so there you are uh, at the cathedral. And the camera guys are probably going crazy. And you're crying, maybe. Um, you get a hotel. You go to sleep for three weeks. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> how long. Was, we were uh, so tired. But... Yeah. <clears throat> And then you get home and like, what's back home look like? Now you've done it. It's over. What was that like? Well, for me, I, 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 I went back to my job, right? So we actually fly into Boise after this whole journey on the 12th, right? Yeah, my birthday. Yeah, it was a, yeah, it was on a Saturday. Yeah. My birthday, the 14th, is on a Monday. I go back to work. Like, I'm home for two days. I'm back at work. <laughs> and uh, I, I, I love telling this story because um, my, my boss, Ed, he's the one that actually encouraged us to make the documentary. Um, when I get back to work, I have a four-hour like block on my calendar with my boss. I'm thinking, oh, no. What what happened while I was gone? What kind of you know poo storms am I going to be thrown into with all the, <laughs> the politics and everything else, right? And so I, uh, I I meet with Ed, and it turns out that that four hour window was so he and I could just sit and I could just tell him stories about the journey, which is awesome. I love the guy, but he asked me what's the one thing that you learned on the, on the journey, and I said, oh Ed, uh, I'll tell you this is that you get forty hours in my week, not a minute more. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Uh, and he appreciated that, but that was actually the initial kind of conversation we had. We actually left that job in January the following year. So from July 14th is when I got back. I left my job uh, January 23rd. Um in December of or January sorry, in January of 2015. Yeah. And uh he encouraged me every step of the way. Um and so it was this new chapter of now where Justin and I are We've talked about working together for years, mm-hmm. um, but he's a graphic designer, you know, by trade. I'm a nurse and an administration by trade. Not the most compatible career paths for you know a business venture of any sort. But uh, <laughs> long story short is that we started speaking, sharing about our journey, sharing about our lessons, sharing about leadership and vulnerability and the power of community and collective impact and how that can impact churches or healthcare institutions or businesses. And then we get the opportunity to write a book and share our thoughts and musings in that platform. And this is what we do now. This is our whole new life. And it's yeah. been absolutely amazing every step of the way. It's been fun. Yeah. Sorry. I, 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 I kind of went long there. No, it's fine. <laughs> it's good. What about you, Justin? Uh, you know, life for me post Camino was, um, was, um, not a really kind of a major thing. Um, we had, media stuff that we were dealing with, you know, the, the media started catching on about halfway through our pilgrimage. And so, you know, there was some of that stuff that we had to deal with, but I had been working at home, uh, since the, the year or 2013, I moved from San Diego, um, up to Boise, Idaho, which is where we live now. Um, and so, you know, being home and, and not having to go back to a job per se, um, we were trying to figure out what that looked like for us because I knew Patrick was going to be leaving at some point um, and just kind of figuring out what that looked like and, and figuring that out. But, um, but for me, it wasn't that major of a, of a, of a, of a switch. It was um, coming back and being back and, you know, as a dad and a husband and, and just being, you know, grateful for 
the family that I have and being able to hang out with them and to see them every day. And, uh, my wife is home with me. And so, you know, just to be able to, to continue that, which was really great. Um, we've heard of many people going on the pilgrimage, having what's called the post Camino depression, yeah. mm-hmm. um, which is that basically that reentry into the real world or not the real world, but the, the, the world they came from, which yeah. is working and life and craziness. Mm-hmm. And, you know, cause the Camino life is, um, is it's pretty simplistic. It's very, very simplistic. Um, it's get up, eat, walk, sleep. That is it. Um, there's really nothing to do except walk and, and, and either be by, if you want to be by yourself and spend time by yourself, great. Um, but when you do that day in and day out over the course of weeks, um, it, it's a very, very, it's, really awesome. I can tell you that right now, uh, cause you're not distracted by life and craziness. And so kind of jumping back into job and all that, it's, it can be a little bit challenging for some people, but for us, I think, you know, Pat had, had to go back to work, but for me, it was business as usual, I guess. So, yeah. um, just another kind of like crazy thing we went through and off we go, you know? Uh, so yeah. Beautiful. Well, the book is called I'll Push You. It's out today, so you can get it anywhere you buy books, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, uh, your local bookstores, and a film uh, is coming out as well. Do you guys have a release date for the film? We don't have a release date yet. We have a window. Um, Can we see that? Uh, what we can say is that it's going to be coming out later this year in the fall. Um, We do have an internal release date. And we're kind of um, crossing our, our T's and dotting our I's on a few things before we make an official announcement. So I'd probably say the best way for somebody to um, you know, want to stay tuned with us on the film is to go to our website um, yeah. at I'llPushYou.com. Um, and it's, uh, there, that way you can kind of keep up to date on where we are with the film progress, um, the progression of that. The film is done. Um, you know, like you said, they, our documentary crew came with us, documented the whole thing, um, and now it's done. So it's uh, we're really quite excited for it to come out. Um, it's a great sister piece to the book. Yeah, uh, book goes much deeper into our friendship and our lifelong um, relationship with one another and the struggle struggles with that, um, and and the Camino as being a dra- backdrop to our um, uh, to our story. Um, but the film is is about the pilgrimage, and um, and you can see it on screen how uh, how crazy all this was, and um, and we're really 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 excited for uh, both both um, pieces to be coming out, and so uh, that's where we are with that. Um, so beautiful. Yeah, and we got some really really cool things. We, we I totally want to announce it right now, but we can't. So <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, so just can, like, just hang tight on that. Yeah. Uh, I think I saw this, but can people go to allpushyou.com and sort of sign up to be on your list so you get an email notifications yeah. and stuff like that? Yeah. All right, yeah, so do that. Uh, yeah, I'm going to put the links to everything on my show notes, stevings.com slash show notes, but also you can just go right to allpushyou.com. You can sign up to be on the email list. You can buy their book there. Uh, can you watch the trailers uh, to... Can you watch the trailer yeah. there? Yeah. So just, yep. just go to allpushyou.com and you guys buy this book. It, it is it's so well written and it's riveting. I mean, it like it 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 reads kind of like a novel because it's so it's funny. I mean, even the, the part Patrick where you 
on the day one, you lose your glasses, you leave them in the restaurant, you know, so you never <laughs> yep. go the whole trip without your glasses. Uh, yeah. At one point, you break the wheel and you got to find someone that can solder it. That's an adventure. Uh, you run into this Basque farmer who ends up telling you you can do it, you know, the, the impossible is possible. There's so many moments of uh, divine intervention and friendship and grueling, um, you know, just endurance that it, it, it's a, it's a beautiful book. And I'll be, I'll be your biggest evangelist. I, I'll be, I'll be pushing this <laughs> book all over the place. So, um, yeah, you guys, thanks so much. Is there anything else you wished I would ask you that I, that I didn't ask you? You know, um, if, uh, I don't know what your, 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 your viewership is like, um, as far as oh, demographics, millions, but millions and millions <laughs> and millions of people no, as far as types, but we, yeah. we speak. And that's that's what we do, and so people are ever say we love to come to churches to you name it and uh, and to share a story of faith and hope. Okay, so again, do, do they get just allpushu.com? That's that's where they go yeah, to but, get in touch with your um, your people, your agents, your your folks. Okay, yeah. Uh, so exactly. yeah, get 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 them to speak. Um, gosh, that's cool. That's right. You guys do that. Uh, well, thanks, you guys. Um, Justin and Patrick, I really appreciate you spending the time. Uh, I can't wait for people to hear this. And um, yeah, you guys, uh, blessings on both of you as you continue this. Thanks, beautiful man. Journey. Thank you so much. Yeah. We appreciate yeah. you. Thanks, man. Oh, man. Thank you. Peace. Hey, everybody. I'm Steve Weens, and this is my podcast where I explore humanity, spirituality, and mystery one word at a time. For more about my work, my writing, my preaching, my books, and all that good stuff, head on over to steveweens.com.